caution didn't take long to set in after Courtney Duncan returned to the winner's enclosure. Big hit, big hook from Mum Linda, who's never seen her ride. And uh, congratulations to the Kiwi girl. But Duncan wraps up the title here in Turkey. Daniela Guian and Lotta Van Druna. Congratulations to all the girls who have ridden this season. But to Courtney Duncan, a four-time world champion now. Well, it just keeps getting better for our motorsporting superstars at the moment as uh, Courtney Duncan, as you heard, is back on top of the world claiming her fourth WMX world title over the weekend. Simply incredible. Greatest of all time, possibly. And on four wheels, things aren't going too poorly either with uh, Liam Lawson's 11th at Monza solidifying the talent and poise the world knows he has. And it seems increasingly likely now he'll have a couple more opportunities yet to prove himself in the Alfa Tori car. Uh, there's not a better time to be catching up with uh, our motorsporting icon over here and uh, Greg Murphy as we do on a weekly basis. Uh, Murph, good morning to you. Yes, Courtney Duncan, perhaps not getting the exposure uh, on this side of the planet, although it's a, it's a pretty highly... Uh, it's a pretty highly looked uh, after event uh, on that side where she is again the world champion. Yes, Murphy. Good morning, mate. Yeah, amazing, amazing result. Um, yeah, we've uh, covered um, you know quite a lot on Sky Speed just about um, her successes and uh, over over the years. But yeah, I mean, four-time world champion. I mean. <laughs> really, it really is something to behold and, and something to celebrate. I mean, you've got to consider just the the challenges and um, the difficulties, uh, the the workload, the effort that goes into riding motocross, and certainly at the at the world level. I mean, it's a very competitive uh, sport. The women women's motocross world championship, and and you know, one of the most physical, demanding sports that you could possibly be involved in. She's been through huge challenges with injury um, throughout uh, her, her time, you know, winning world championships and dealt with, uh, you know, a massive amount of um, situations that uh, a lot of people would have just pulled up stumps and, and walked away from. So, you know, for her to continue on and, and deliver what she's delivering on the world stage, um, you know, just just phenomenal. Um, I take my hat off to her for her tenacity and, and commitment to it. Is there another uh, step or is there another, uh, let's say, class or something something else that Courtney Duncan could go on to now that she's done it four times? Is, is, there, is there a progression from here for her or just she stays where she is? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure she's at the pinnacle, um, the top end of, of what's on offer uh, for women's motocross. Um, you know, the physicality of the sport uh, you know, makes it think, uh, would make it incredibly difficult um, to, to go... Uh, head to head with you know the the, the men's side of thing. Um, uh, just it's one of those situations where there, there just is a, a, a difference between um, that that physical nature of of something like that. Um, but you know the, it would be great if the the women's uh, championship expanded a bit. It is actually a little bit of a uh, a shorter schedule for them. Um, and uh, you know, I think it, uh, what what would be nice to see is that it, uh, it gets put put a little bit more uh, emphasis on on you know the the championship and, and growing it and uh, expanding the amount of rounds that it that it does have because compared to the men's one, it is a little bit short. But um, you know, it's still the demands are still exactly the same every time they they go to a different mm. circuit, a different track, and you know the the discipline 
uh, changes dramatically depending on the, the the different types of surfaces that they do race on, uh, different conditions that they they race on. I mean, it, it's it's not just one track and it's the same every time. I mean, the the you know the the dirt and the sand and the the different characteristics of the circuits in the different countries changes markedly. So the, the workload is is phenomenal. Right, let's uh, look at Liam Lawson's uh, latest performance, of course, um, up to uh, 11th now, so just missing out on a championship point as such. Mm. Uh, but it uh, appears, uh, Murph, that he may have more opportunities ahead of him on uh, what he's done. Yeah, listen, I, I mean, he, he should do too. I mean, he's, um, he's earning, earning his right. Um, I think he'd already earned his right to have a crack, and now he's certainly earned his right to, to be uh, racing in Formula One, his performance on the weekend again um, was was unbelievable, really, uh, considering his, his time in the in the seat to qualify twelfth. You know, uh, make it uh, in his second qualifying session in Formula One to make it through to, to Q two, um, and you know, be right beside his teammate on the grid, um, who's been you know racing in Formula One for three years. Um, uh, and to be only just hundreds of a second away from actually um, going through into Q3 uh, is, a, is a mega, mega performance. And then he held his own. Uh, he didn't get the greatest start um, at Monza, um, uh, which he acknowledged needs needs a little bit more work. Um, it's only a second start, remember. One was in the wet and, and this one was in the uh, in the dry. So he didn't get the greatest start, but, man, did he, he fight his way um, at the beginning of that race to ensure he didn't, uh, um, you know, lose the positions that it looked like he was going to lose. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't a uh, a drive by a, a rookie as such. It was a drive by someone that um, it looked like they'd been around a lot longer. So he wasn't willing to give an inch. And he had other amazing battles throughout the race. The team put him on a different strategy, and he and he made that work beautifully as well. Um, it was a two stop strategy, whereas a lot of the others were on one stop. Um, and to just miss out on a on a point there uh, was. Um, was an amazing, a brilliant effort. You look at the names in the cars ahead of him, um, and where sort of the Alpha Tower is sort of rated as, as far as a, a competitor. Um, you know, he did he did it uh, very much justice, and, and um, I'm sure there's other teams other than Red Bull that are, are paying attention and taking notice of, of Liam Lawson. That's cool. That's good news going forward. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got to confess, I, I watched 110 laps of uh, yesterday's Indy car and uh, I was fascinated <laughs> by the whole thing. Of course, we've got three yep. horses in the race now. It's, so, it's, it's just so damned uh, interesting. And the way they present it too and you know the coverage, I, I just think is absolutely outstanding. I saw a couple of... Uh, and you can explain this to me. Uh, McLaughlin starting um, on yep. the front line yep. uh, and then yep. just, just sort of disappeared off the grid. What happened there? Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, that's exactly what happened in it. And uh, uh, again, it was a, a strategic move and decision by he and Graham Rahal, who stole the front row, or uh, stole the pole position, actually. Um, he's uh, had a, a struggle the last uh, few years, Graham Rahal, but he's had two pole positions uh, on two road courses in the last few race meet, uh, last three race meetings. So uh, a pretty amazing sort of return to form there for him. But uh, yeah, both of them, uh, made a call to start on the alternate red sidewall tyre where the tyre life is, was a, a lot less than the, the primary tyre. And it was a, it was a strategy call that um, set them up for uh, the rest of the day and um, basically just put them at the, you know, towards the back of the top ten. Um, so they had to pit early with, the, with that strategy, uh, whereas Alex Pillow, the new or oh, second-time 
champion, IndyCar champion, uh, secured that on Sunday, uh, went with the other strategy by starting on the, uh, the primary tyre. Um, and it just played out that that was the right strategy. So, I mean, I... I would have thought with the information they would have gathered over the weekend in practice that, um, you know, uh, would have made the right call. And, and um, you know, Scott Dixon was on that, uh, the same primary um, sort of strategy to start on the primary tyre. And so was Joseph Newgarden and Penske and, and a bunch of others. All those that sort of went through, moved through the field and, and had a successful weekend or a successful race started on the primary tyre. So... It was a real strategic error uh, by the thirsty threes, as they're known, um, which is Scott McLaughlin's uh, crew, uh, to do what they did, and, and basically he just suffered uh, all day because of because of that that decision. Um, that does happen. Um, you know, a safety car at the right time could have actually meant that they um, they benefited massively, um, but the safety car didn't come, and you can't rely on them to um, to actually. Uh, you know, strategize your race either. So yeah, that's just the way it played out. But Alex Palau was um, was an, again a class of his own. Uh, Scott Dixon again uh, in the Ganassi car. They've secured uh, first and second in the championship before the last round, which is coming up this weekend at Laguna Seca. Um, just a, a, a stellar performance and, and very classy in the way they went about it. So you know, Scotty D um, proving his his worth, and there'd be no sign of him deciding not to continue racing with performances like he's had uh, towards the end of the season. So exciting times. Uh, poor old uh, Marcus Armstrong was looking good mm. for a, uh, a very, you know, a, a very good result well inside the top 10. And uh, strangely, um, driving with Ganassi as well, you know, one of the four cars in the Ganassi team, um, it's uh, two two race meetings in a row that they've, uh, that the, the, the cars that... Um, uh, outside the, the sort of championship hunt, Marcus Ericsson, Marcus Ericsson and Marcus Armstrong have had um, very, very poor sort of pit stop situations occur, and, and um, Marcus left with uh, without a rear wheel attached um, in one of his, uh, his final pit stop, and and that mm-hmm. um, that ruined his race. So um, Ganassi are doing a great job at the, the top end with the number ten and the number nine, uh, first and second of the championship, but uh, they need to get their act together a little bit better for. For the for Marcus uh, Marcus Armstrong for next year because um, it was a, a, a pretty pretty average sort of performance on the team side to ruin his race again, which has happened a couple of times this season. Yeah, it's massively so. I mean, uh, and if it wasn't Marcus Armstrong, it was almost comical. But uh, just explain yep. the setup to me there. So they've got four drivers. Chip Ganassi have got four yep. drivers. That is four individual pit crews. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, one you know one giant team. Uh, when they are at the racetrack, they've uh, they've got. Uh, these ma- massive transporters with uh, you know huge uh, sort of big annexes off the side of them, and, and all the cars are all in the same environment. They all work together and they all operate operate sort of together in that respect. But these you know individual sort of teams uh, you know that that run the car um, you know uh, on on the track and, and and do the pit stops. So every car's got their own pit stop crew. Um, so you know clearly there needs to be um, a little bit uh, of work done on that side of the. You know the pit there to um, to improve it for the likes of Marcus and, and Marcus uh, Ericsson has actually left the team. He's um, uh, after next weekend his final race at Ganassi Racing. He he goes off and is heading to Andretti Autosport for 2024. Um, right. And uh, Lindquist is joining Ganassi Racing actually next year. So Marcus Armstrong's uh, hasn't had an announcement as yet on on um, 2024, but. Uh, I would hope that he is um, has got a drive, and, and um, Ganassi will give him another shot and, and do a 
do him a, a bit better job next year, and, and he will also be doing um, the uh, the ovals. So he was a, a road course and um, street course only uh, campaign in 2023, whereas next year hopefully he'll be uh, doing the whole season, doing the ovals as well. Murph, uh, a little bit closer to home, uh, how are preparations going for the Highland Six Hour Enduro in November? Yeah, yeah, that's exciting, uh, mate. It's, uh, it's going to be a uh, a huge event. Um, things are going well. There's, uh, you know, we're just trying to fill up the last couple of spots uh, on the entry list. It's a maximum of 32 cars, um, and the the quality of the field is is um, awesome. We've got uh, uh, at this stage four um, GD3 cars coming from Australia to be a part of the part of the event, and and all the other New Zealand entries. Um, you know, getting starting to get prepared for it. Six hour race around Highlands is a, is a big ask, so there's a, a huge amount of work to be done. And but um, you know, uh, hopefully Shane Van Gisbergen will also be part of that and racing. He's racing this weekend at uh, the first of the South Island Endurance uh, Championship rounds at Ruapuna um, this weekend. He's driving the the Carters Motorsport uh, Brabham BT62. So uh, he he'll be there this weekend for those uh, fans down in, in Canterbury who want to come along and and uh, check out Shane doing his thing in a, in a sports car. That'll be on Saturday, um, the three-hour race there. So that's uh, one of the sort of prep races for um, for the six-hour coming up uh, in the beginning of November. So, yeah, we've got a few more big announcements to make around, around the six-hour over the next uh, few weeks and month or so. Um, but, um, yeah, she's going to be a, a, a fantastic event. And uh, Supercars uh, at Sandown next. Um, so... Uh, and uh, said same uh, SVG uh, apparently wanting some uh, changes to make uh, to make uh, improve the competition um, as he uh, it's parting shot really I suppose as he leaves. Yeah, yeah, he's sort of uh, is continuing to to throw a few barbs out there about various things, and um, I just uh, yeah would prefer that he just actually got on with the job. We know what the issues are uh, at the moment with the, the supercar and. And um, but the the philosophy and, and the, some of the racing has been absolutely fantastic. So I think it's just uh, Tommy focused on driving and winning some races. Richie Stanaway is um, obviously teaming up with him uh, for Sandown and Bathurst, and and uh, sort of got an amazing combination. Uh, clearly, uh, a, a great team behind them. Um, so the idea is to go out there and win some races, and it'd be great for Richie as well to, to join forces. Two Kiwis um, winning winning Sandown 500 and Bathurst uh, to finish the season would be uh, would be spectacular. So uh, hopefully Shane will just uh, nut down and get the job done that he's paid to do, and and focus on on those things and and grab a couple more trophies. You on a track uh, anywhere soon yourself in terms of um, testing or promoting? I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be racing this weekend at um, at the South Island Endurance Round at uh, Ruapuna, but um, my son Ronan has uh, uh, subsequently stolen my seat. Um, I was going to be running with Shane Helms in his uh, Renault RSO1 GT car this weekend to get some miles in preparation for Highlands, but... Uh, Ronan's done the dirty on me and managed to sneak on underneath, and and uh, he and Shane are going to be driving together this weekend. So I'll be uh, just uh, standing on the sidelines um, and twiddling my fingers. But I've also got uh, number two son is is running in the one hour down there this weekend in his Toyota eighty six. So wow. it's a bit of a chaotic chaotic weekend for the Murphy family um, at Ruapuna. So that's uh, keeping me busy at the moment, Smithy. I haven't got time to bloody have any fun myself. 
I'll tell you what, Murph, I'll tell you what you should do as a parent, as a, a, a parent who's heavily involved in sponsorship and supporting their sons, and I can, uh, I can, I can profess to this a little bit myself, uh, you should go uh, with your connections, get a, a 10,000 T-shirts made, and on the front of it, uh, <laughs> of, in, different, in, in different languages, different languages, on the front of it, and you'd sell them worldwide with your, with your um, reputation around the world. And you'd get it on motor racing circuits. On the front, you put "Don't worry, Dad." Right? Don't worry, Dad. And on the back, you say, "You'll get it back." So the front says, "Don't worry, Dad." On the back says, "You'll get it back." I'll guarantee you, you'll make you a come bloody up with fortune. Have you seen that somewhere? Because that is no, I haven't seen it. You should be a. I you're ha- a marketer. You are a marketer. Uh, yeah. I, I have never seen it, but I've thought about it for about thirty years. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, clearly, if I go ahead and do it, and it's a success, mate, you'll be in for your fifteen percent commission. I've no doubt. Yep. Yeah. Good on you, Murph. Yeah. All, all good, pal. Don't worry. Thanks, uh, Murphy. Hey, thanks, you, pal. thanks, mate. Yeah, great having a chat, uh, Greg Murphy. There, folks. Uh, never far away from a racetrack and uh, down at Ruapuna, overlooking the boys this weekend. Fantastic, isn't it?